Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome in, everyone, to today's... I cannot believe I'm excited for this episode. <laughs> I, like, I am, and I cannot believe that I am. Yes, uh, this episode is... I don't even know how to explain this episode. It's something that I texted Matt about a month and a half ago, and I said, we need to do this. And then through further conversation, we said, not only do we need to do this, but we need to do this with a very special movie. Now, before I explain what we're doing here, we do have a special guest that we would like to welcome on the show. Uh, You may recognize his voice if you've been taking our advice and listening to our sister podcast on the Sorcerer Network, Discontinued on Display. But I would like to welcome uh, to our show uh, the wonderful Mr. Chris Corrigan. Hello, Chris. Welcome to Beers and Ears. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited uh, to be here and to hang out with you guys um, and to go on this um, adventure. I don't want to say too much. I want you guys to introduce <laughs> the concept, and I'm scared I'm going to like run with the wind. Bullseye Look at style. all this synergy that we're getting on the Sorcerer Network. Like synergy. I love it. Like we just have like synergy things just flying around right yes. now. Yes, I think the synergy started when when I heard Chris's voice at the end of our of our last episode. Go, you're listening, or, or you're listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast. I thought that was really well done. I was like, oh, that came out of nowhere. That was exciting. So, um, all right, before we get started, Matt, you said you have a correction you have to make from our uh, Revenge of the Sith episode, is that correct? Yes, so I mentioned in episode five of The Bad Batch, the Disney Plus series, that um, they rescued a Rancor that I said was the Rancor in episode six, and I have learned that it is not the Rancor in episode six, it's a different Rancor. Oh, okay, so uh, retroactive, retcon, I I could even technically go back and just retcon the episode, I haven't edited it quite yet, but I guess guess we'll just leave this in as a correction, we're we're good there, so, um, okay. Leave all of our fans, like, screaming at the podcast, like, that man doesn't always talking about with his rancors and thinks they're this episode be careful there matt we are we already know how i feel about those star wars fans so we don't want to we don't want to uh i'm pretty sure they're not listening to our pod you've probably all away. yes i have all right so what are we doing well we are going to enter a courtroom today and chris has come on to be our judge slash jury slash witness slash sounding board. I think that'd be the appropriate way to put it. Um, and today we're going to... If you to listen be- to Discontinued on Display, you know that Chris wears many hats. So, um, you know, we, this is just adding more onto this. As I, this as- time, though, my issue is I don't know much about the law outside of watching <laughs> Legally Blonde and once playing a prosecuting attorney in a play. That's kind oh, of it. I love oh, you know, no, I was a judge once in a play. There it is. I did play a judge in, I played a judge in, and then there were none. So if anyone's read the book, they know that that might not be the best kind of judge to have practiced being, but neither here nor there. Speaking of Legally Blonde, Legally Blonde, by the way, is like one of my feel good movies. I can just put that on and just like go to town watching that movie. Like I can quote every, whoever said Orange is the New Pink was seriously disturbed. It's like one of my favorite lines. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, I digress. Um, So... As I understand it, uh, 
from listening to discontinued on display also uh chris and or matt um one of you is like the grand grand poobah of like the curator of the museum like you're the boss of the museum is that how that goes is that matt or is that chris i i i've heard you guys are you're one upping one another here is what is what i'm is what i'm getting from the podcast <laughs> so i would oh gosh i to answer what you just said, I'm the owner of the museum, but Matt's the head curator. But last time I recorded, Matt knew the full breakdown of what we are. Um, can you? Do you remember it still? Can you do it again? Okay, so I don't know if these. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that all these episodes have released, um, so I can. Uh, I, I'm, I'm all my timing is very foggy. So I am your grandfather, and you are my father. So we have a Back to the Future situation. I'm the governor of the state that the museum is in, but you are the mayor of the town as well as the owner of the museum. But I'm the head curator. Y'all follow that? That's correct. That's what it is. <laughs> all right. Well, today you're a judge, and Matt, you are the defense attorney, uh, and I am the prosecuting attorney. And what we have uh, left out here today is the movie that we're reviewing, although if you've looked at the episode title you're already well you may not know i don't think we're going to put it in the episode title i i've actually i've actually called no, we're this not, no um what did i call this uh, what, what is the name of this recording session i can't oh uh, the court of disney redemption is what we're calling this episode the court of disney redemption so this is what we're reviewing we all know that matt's absolute most horrible like the worst movie in the Disney library that Matt absolutely cannot stand is a little known movie from 2004 called Home on the Range. And so today I am the prosecuting attorney, having never seen the movie until literally yesterday, am going to prosecute that this movie is in fact as bad as everyone has said it has been. And Matt has to defend it. <laughs> I can't even get that out with a straight face. <laughs> Matt has to defend it. Matt has to has to defend the movie. <laughs> Listeners, let me tell you, um, everything that I have said in, uh, let's see, 111 plus episodes has been totally authentic. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have never played a character or done anything. All of my opinions are my own. Um, this is the one episode where I'm definitely going to be playing a character. However, there are going to be some opinions in here that are, I actually legit think about the movie, uh, but I, I, there will definitely be some, some, uh, some great character things, uh, 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 take it. So yes. So just be, I'm, I cannot believe I agreed to this. <laughs> so here's how this is going to work. We are both going to start out with opening arguments, very brief. Then I'm going to prosecute my case then Matt is going to defend his case, and then we are going to end with closing arguments. Along the way, we'll involve Chris to help give us some supporting um, whatever it is that we may need in the moment. Uh, but at the very end, Chris gets to render his verdict on whether or not Home on the Range is the piece of garbage that I'm going to say that it is or it is a light on a shining hill that I'm sure Matt is going to say it is. Uh, so that is what that our episode is. That is exactly is the language that I was thinking. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, are you ready? Oh, I am more than ready. Um, I'm ready for your opening arguments, gentlemen. All right. And Matt, are you ready? Oh, I was born ready for this. <laughs> All right. So then I'm going to start with my opening arguments. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury... Your Honor, Chris, 
those listening in the, the, the audience today, I come to you today to tell you and to prove to you that, in fact, the movie Home on the Range, made in 2004, directed by Will Finn and John Stanford, is a huge heaping piece of garbage. With a budget of $110 million and grossing only $145 million worldwide, Disney had to recoup almost $70 million in losses. Starring a lackluster cast of the early 2000s, including Roseanne Barr, Judy Dench, Jennifer Tilly, who if you don't know who she is, look up um, uh, 30 Rock, Cuba Gooding Jr., Jr., show me the no money, Randy Quaid, Independence Day, anybody, and Steve Buscemi, the movie just does not do it for people. I will say that being the last movie uh, done with hand-drawn animation until Princess and the Frog, you think that it would have been able to be redeemable. But the reality is, it smells just as bad as what those cows probably poop out on a daily basis. And today, I'm going to prove that to you. I'm going to talk about the unrelatable characters, the odd plot points, the crude humor, the forgettable songs, the forgettable setting. That is going to be the, the direction that I had today as I go through this horrible, horrible movie that should be forgotten in the trash dump of history. Matt, it's on to you. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, Your Honor, uh, I, I could not disagree more of, of what Casey just said. Um, in fact, I'm going to directly uh, prove to you that this is not a lackluster cast, but a budding cast. The songs are not forgettable, but hidden gems in the diamonds that are of the Disney, uh, the Disney universe of songs uh, that the the characters are not forgettable, but quirky and fun. And that uh, and that this while I am not going to go as so far as to say it should be in the top 10 Disney films of all time. It definitely needs uh, to be in the category of most underrated uh, hidden gems or diamonds in the rough. Okay, so with that, we're going to proceed to our case. Um, I will present my case as the judge at any point in time, Chris, you can. Inter interject and ask questions if something's not clear or uh, kind of dive deep if it helps prove the case. Uh, so I'm going to start with my uh, five points. Um, and I am going to start with the fact, and probably my biggest point of all, the unrelatable characters of this movie. This movie mm -hmm. contains barnyard animals. That's all I got to say barnyard animals the main character maggie you have no buy-in to who she is seriously like you meet her and the first words out of her mouth are yeah that's me yeah those are real i'll get back to that in a minute she we don't we don't understand anything about her we know that she was kicked off of her farm because of something and the farmer takes her because he can't take care of her anymore. I don't know anything about the farmer. I'm thinking I'm going to get to know this guy and he just gets up and leaves and he gets, she gets put on this, 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 this little piece of heaven, little patch of heaven farm. And suddenly it's like, Oh yeah, she's just accepted into the mix real quickly. Well, other than Mrs. Calloway, um, the villain 
doesn't even feel like a big baddie. Like he's a businessman. He's making some money. He's like hustling on the side here. Like, and moreover, what does he even want with the patch of heaven? Like, I don't even understand his motive. Why is he taking it? And the hero, quote unquote, Rico, the one who's supposed to save the day, like they couldn't have done any worse of a job to make him so anti-hero. Like, seriously, you know he's the best. In fact, when I was first watching it, I thought he was Amadeus Slim. Like, I really thought that was who he was. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, Rico. Oh, okay. Like, you, you can just know he's going to turn. Like, there's no surprise there. It's like, yeah, duh. And then two more, Mrs. Calloway. What is she trying to be? Mary Poppins incarnated? Like, seriously, I don't understand. Like, Mary Poppins is a bovine. Like, it made no sense to me. And then finally, Buck. Are we supposed to love him? Are we supposed to hate him? He's like a Shrek donkey wannabe. Did you see the way he moves? He moves like Eddie Murphy in Shrek. Like, I swear they watched Shrek and said, oh, we need a character like that. So for all those reasons, these characters, they're horrible. They're not even drawn well. Like, the, the, do you see the butts on the uh, the cows? Like, it doesn't make any sense how they're drawn. I don't understand. So my first point is that unrelatable characters do not make a good movie. Before I proceed, Your Honor, do you have any questions or any thoughts that you'd like me to clarify? Uh, no, I think you've made some really strong points here. Um, I will say... A couple of quick things. They do go over what does bring Maggie. It's fast. And that's actually uh, something that they do with a lot of the characters. Um, they don't explain really what a character's motive or what's bringing them somewhere more than once. Where I, That's not very typical, especially in a kid's movie. They're going to want that repetition. I, as a grown-up, want it. So it is easy to miss it. And it's hard to latch on and want to relate to these cows with these pointy-shaped behinds. Right. Um, but so far, yes, that you've made a very good point, um, and I'd love to hear more of your argument. Uh, can All I right. can I ask some clarifying questions to the prosecution, no. Your Honor? Oh my oh, goodness, okay. Your Honor, yeah, I object! Please. I object. Well, let's hear him out. We have to hear out the defense attorney. So you said, uh, you know, right at the beginning, you you said, you know, they're just barnyard animals. It was that one of your like they're not relatable because they're barnyard animals. Oh, it, no, it was. It, yeah, it was. If, if you're going to make a movie about barnyard animals, like you need to give me some background. You need to make me feel for these characters. Like I'll give you another example. The goat, the cranky goat who has this pile of cans. Why the hell does he have a pile of cans? I don't understand it. And why do the pigs want to play with the pile of cans? It doesn't make any sense. Give me some background. So, so hang on, hang on. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. You want more backstory in this movie. So this yes. movie would have been better for you had we gotten a whole Roseanne Barr's cow yes. backstory. I, I need we'll, more cow. I just need more cow. That, that's what, what I'm talking about. What I'm hearing is is we need we want Disney to make a prequel about Roseanne Barr. Oh no 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 not now that 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 that, that chicken's flown the coop is all I gotta say that chicken's flown the coop oh boy okay okay um so you know you are going on about the characters and so my defense of these characters is that I think these characters are actually more relatable than you give them credit for okay so 
Um, uh, Mrs. Calloway is a classic. A uh, new person has come into the group, and she doesn't. Under, she's struggling for power. How often have we all had that, where someone new comes into our workplace, to our friend group, and we feel the the need of like, oh, am, uh, there's this balance of power that's shifting, and there's competition here. That's relatable. Do I have the Wikipedia page pulled up because I cannot remember the characters' names? Yes, I do, but that's not de-strengthens your I would like to de-strengthens your argument. Yeah, I would. I would Absolutely. like to include that as exhibit number one uh, for the prosecutor. That if he has to use Wikipedia to look the characters' names up, all I got to say is clearly they're not relatable characters. Got to make sure that I get everything right. It's been a long day. Got it. You know, got to get my notes. Um, everyone loves a good underdog. Okay. Uh, Buck, what uh, What? one of us has not wanted to be the hero in a situation and imagined saving the day and catching the bad guy? He is such an optimistic uh, uh, wannabe hero that we all have inside of us. Um the characters go on a wacky, wacky adventure, and uh, and it's 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 so just the Disney wackiness that you have come to love. Um, there's the, I, I the ending scene where I object to that point. I object to that point, Honor. Can I can I be heard on that? I don't I don't remember if it's if I'm supposed to say overrule. I think overruled means he could continue, but yes, overruled means, means I can continue. See, it, uh, I'm going to sus. Dane, uh, but with one caveat, it's you're not wrong about they do participate in very tropey traditional Disney, Disney wackiness that I, in my, I, like Casey, had to watch this movie in preparation. I had never seen it, but I did recognize some normal beats and tropes that I enjoyed and made that that resonated with me as someone who's enjoyed classic Disney. Um, but I might have to sustain. I think I have to sustain on that objection. All right, so, 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 talk, right? so, so yeah, imagine. so, okay, good. so <laughs> here, here's why I objective, uh, objected. This movie is the 45th movie in the Disney animated feature film uh, of all the Disney animated feature films. In other words, it's up there with the likes of Aladdin, Lion King, Bambi, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Hercules, Pocahontas, right? You can keep going and going and going. I want you to think about those names. I want you to think about those titles and then think Home on the Range. I agree. They absolutely involved themselves in the classic Disney tropes of going on an adventure and trying to save the day. But it was not suited for the 45th movie in the Disney animated line. It was better suited for a... Let me finish. It was better suited for an animated (laughs) short. It was better suited for a 20-minute, a 15-minute animated short. You could have told this story in 15 minutes. You apps, and it okay, would have been funny. And it I would object. have been funny in 15 minutes. It, as it stands, it was 76 minutes, a short movie, and it got raked over the coals uh, by the, the the movie critics because of how short it was. It could very well have been done in 15 minutes. So I object to one thing here. You included Bambi in your list. Casey, have you ever seen Bambi? How do you Bam- know it has those tropes? <laughs> I, I, I didn't say it. Bambi had those tropes. I just said it, this is in the likes of all of those other movies. It, if It's the classics. Do you really, can you really, with a straight face, 
Say, Home on the Range is the classic of the Walt Disney Company and will be remembered. One hundred. It's, it's, it's not the classic of the Walt Disney Company. Just as my favorite movie, The Emperor's New Groove, I don't believe is a classic of the Walt Disney Company, but I think it is a hidden gem. I don't think that Atlantis or Treasure Planet are the crown jewels of the Disney Company, but I think they're really watchable movies, and I think that that Home on the Range can be pulled into that of really? movies that can become really? hidden gems. <laughs> I'm trying to get to this with a straight face. <laughs> hidden gems. Can I ask you a question real fast? If you had the chance to get married again like if you could go back in time would you rather your first dance song be the yodeling song is that what you're saying i feel like that's where we're going with okay. this okay dropping the character bit that yodeling song is awesome <laughs> i love that what song. you've got to be kidding me <laughs> I, I'm, you I'm have serious okay i'm moving on to my next point i'm moving on to my next point the songs in this movie are absolute abominations. Abo- the yodeling song. The songs? Yes, you know Alan Menken. I can't believe he has his name yes, associated Alan with this. Menken wrote They're the horrible. They're absolutely horrible. Are you? Please tell me you're joking about the yodeling song. I, I uh, that is a great song. I, oh. I I will fight you on this. Is that is a great song? Oh, how? Everybody, okay. take a break and go listen to the yodel song. No. God. All I want to add real fast is that we're saying there's songs in this movie. There's there's one song and it's the yodeling song. The rest of it's there's, like flavor underscore. There's like some lyrics, but really the only song song is that song. Otherwise, really the rest of there it, were so uh, uh, there were six songs, believe it or not, in this movie. There there was the yodeling song. Yes. There was the the home on the range song in the beginning. There's the patch of heaven song, which gets sung throughout. Um, I don't know the other three. I honestly don't know the other three. My point is they're not memorable. Can you? Okay. I got, I got it, Matt. Uh, Your honor, I'm going to challenge my opponent here for one second. Oh, I'm excited. Matt, you know, the rap from Mary Poppins. Yes. Sing the yodeling song for me. I've listened to this a lot in the preparation for this. So I'm yes. really upset that this is a podcast and not an actual visual so that people could have watched what I just got to watch with my yeah, yeah, It was very this, entertaining. That this song that, that I'm thank you. I aim to please. Uh that this song, hang on, I have it in my notes somewhere. Um, it has incorporates the William Tell Overture, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, and 1812 Overture. Your Honor, I submit that this is a feat of musical genius if you are able to incorporate these uh, classical classics of Beethoven and uh, the William Tell Overture and, I believe, Tchaikovsky, 1812 Overture. Thank you, $127,000 music degree. Um, uh, that is all, a stroke of genius. All and you with said dancing one of these songs, cow. there's one song. Yes, okay, but that's one of the things. I'm, uh, you're transitioning to one of my points. I actually think that the villain shtick is funny. It's very funny. The first half of this movie, they give you this... Uh, villain who is this uh, cow stealing master all the cows are being wiped out and he gets introduced and he's this big scary cowboy bandit and he's I'm gonna I'm gonna steal all the cows and I'm a ruthless businessman and then it flips on a dime to this like wacky yodeling guy and he's this pied piper that he just hypnotizes the cows that's a funny bit i'll take take that out of the movie and put it into a good movie and that's funny matt matt your villains theory has stood the test of this podcast 
he is not a good villain. For crying out loud, I was waiting for him to hang a hose out and go, the crapper's full, because it's played by Randy Quaid for crying out loud. And I want to say the other word, but I can't because we're a family-friendly podcast. But guys, it's Cousin Eddie. It's Cousin Eddie is the friggin' villain of this, of this, this. And he's not even a villain. That's the thing. He's a business guy. He's like Tex Richmond from the Muppets. He's he's not so really wait, so even wait, a villain. I object here. Businessmen. Okay, thank you, Your Honor, for that whoa, face. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I have to. Tex Richmond is a villain. Yeah. He is cruel to the Muppets. Yeah. He is so. His his villain song a bop, and I love him and I respect him for it. But he. That we're not talking about the Muppets right now. I gotta take. I gotta <laughs> another podcast. Another podcast. I'm down with my baby Sam the Eagle images and just let me, let me, let me. I object to the idea that okay, I, I understand that right now Roseanne Barr is really not anybody's favorite. Very controversial, yes. Um, but back in 2004, she's a big deal. Like, and we have to recognize that it, that she's a big deal in but that she time. She really wasn't Randy, though. Like that's the thing is how Roseanne was she a big was a deal? Very very popular show. There were a late lot of 90s, people that would latch onto that. Late nineties, yes, yeah, exactly. But there's you're still getting some people. Randy Quaid is okay. Yes, he's cousin Eddie. That's cool, but he's not cousin Eddie in this. He's Randy Quaid playing Al- Alameda Slim, and also Dame Judi Dench is in this movie. Like yes, she is. I will Ju- give you. Dame I will. I will a, give you Dame Judi Dench. She, she was a. I do love. She, my God, she's the voice of Spaceship Earth for crying out loud. I mean, I, I will give you that. Um, no, that isn't that Helen Mirren. Mm-mm. No, no, it's Judi Dench. It's Judi Dench. Oh. I was waiting for her to say. Did you even work for the Disney company, Matt? <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know who voices things in in Spaceship Earth. Which British lady that's really famous and good at acting? Okay, um, I, I, I want to. I want to. I just. I want to turn our attention away from the actors for a second because I. I, I want to go to to some of the humor for a second because if you can really watch this movie without cringing, you're a better guy than I am. I, and I say that because the humor in this movie is is almost to the point like I don't even know how they got away with some of it. So I mentioned the one earlier where Roseanne in the very beginning shows off her udders and she goes, yeah, those are real. Like like as though the kids are even going to know what that means. The adults are going to go, huh? Like it, it was actually disturbing because the timing was really off. Like it could have been forgiven if the timing was better, but I felt like I was watching a Roseanne comedy routine. But what's even worse, especially watching the movie now through the lens of the Me Too movement, are watching those bulls go, oh, we can help each other out. And they yeah. keep going after the darn cows after the cows have been like, nope. Nope, 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 not interested, not interested. And they were like perverted bulls for crying out loud. Like, how did the censors even allow that in a G-rated Disney movie? It makes no sense to me. Like, I, I, I cringe. I object slightly to this because that that whole thing, you could watch a lot of Disney movies and find a lot of cringy, like things that you go oh that wouldn't fly today disney Ooh, movies made in 2004 so, i i i'm I, like, i'm saying a lot of movies those... that were made around that time you would look at movies and go "Ooh, i don't know about that one so please please continue I, I, i'll give you that but the the further back you go 
the easier it is to say, well, it was a product of its time. We're talking 2004. We're talking the 21st century. That was just, it was totally cringeworthy. And, and I, the humor in this movie, just it, it, it take even just the cringeworthiness out of it. The humor was just badly timed. Like, I think that's the thing that really threw me off and why I think this movie can be condensed into a smaller movie is that it felt like they tried to play these gags for longer than what they really could be used for. And it, it just felt off. It felt badly timed. It felt like they were trying to extend the movie into something it wasn't. All right, hang on. I have to emotionally prepare for this. Oh, boy. <laughs> Casey, you know, what's a little crude humor in a Disney movie? <laughs> you know, the likes of, of, of your Finding Nemo's and your Toy Stories always put in an adult joke that somebody made, a kid may not get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I got nothing on this one. Like I, in all seriousness, the I, the my favorite line that just does not make any sense. Sorry, I'm prosecuting now, but I have this is my favorite line of the entire movie that makes no sense, and it is it is at near the end, and it's uh, uh, Al- Alameda Slim and Steve Buscemi's character, and um the cows are going nuts, and like things are happening, and he goes. I gave up clown school for this. Yes. And I went, like, really? Is, is clown school better than this? I, I feel like clown school is at least a parallel moment, if not a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's that's my, my, that's my favorite line that you just go, what? Okay. Yeah, this is sorry. my last point, Your Honor. And I think as a former Disney cast member, you would appreciate this. So 2004, mm-hmm. this is 17 years ago. It comes out after... I believe Leo and Stitch was before this. So this comes out um, after the massive success of Lilo and Stitch. Um, it's the last of the hand-drawn animation. So theoretically, if you really think about it in theory, it's, um, you know, the the connection to Walt and the classic animation. Th- this could have been something big. And they, they choose a Western, right? Now, I could argue right now that a Western in 2004 was probably trying to capitalize on that range of Westerns that came out in the late 90s, be it the Wild Wild West, Maverick, which was redone. There were several of them that were made in the late 1990s. And, of course, with the animation, hand-drawn, you got at least four or five years of production before you could produce something. Mm-hmm. That said, Disney has, if they really wanted to capitalize on that Western theme, they chose a poor plot. They chose something that was not relatable, but they had property. They had IP that they potentially could have used right in their parks. We've talked a lot about synergy. We've talked a lot about how Disney was all about synergy with their parks, with their movies, with their TV shows, with their, their channels, all that stuff. This could have been the, 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 the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad animated movie. This could have been a Splash mm-hmm. Mountain redo right something that used some of those characters or even just Frontierland in general and brought some of those characters around mm-hmm. instead they brought a whole batch of characters that are forgettable that after we're done with this podcast i will never think about again i will never watch this movie again and it says a lot it says a lot that we will never see we will never see merchandise from this movie ever we will never see t-shirts we will never see toy plush none of that will ever when the anniversary of this comes around in three years the 20th anniversary they probably won't even put it out on dvd because no one's gonna buy it because 
they completely flubbed the ability to bring in the, the properties they already had into the, this particular format. I disagree with that slightly in that they should have used something that was already existed. If you would have announced a Big Thunder Mountain Railroad movie, the expectations for that movie would have been sky high. Awesome. And that brings in a whole new... I, I mean, but but that brings in a whole new set of problems. And what I am happy about with this movie is that it did not have the sky high expectations and try to shoehorn in Big Thunder Mountain and then try to like do some weird synergy. Like it, I love that they tried to do an original idea. Right now, we are in very much a remake central and Disney tried something original. And I think, um, you know, you're saying it missed and you know what, even if it, even if you are arguing that it did miss, you still have to respect that they tried to do something original and not just go, okay, what do we have lying around? We'll just use that. But they could have done it though. The, The reason they could have done it. This is 2004 pirates. of The Caribbean came out in 2003. It was a huge success. The Haunted Mansion came out in 2003, not as much of a success, but they they had they had a um, a template for that. They they kind of were going down that path anyway. It's just really mm-hmm. odd that they did not do that. It's really odd that they when maybe it's the just the the the. the just the machinery of, you know, four to five years of production, which would have put them back into 1999. That could have very well been the case. But um, again, characters, we're never going to remember. I, I, I'm i going to forget them after this podcast. I'm forgetting them now as we speak. And clearly, so are you, Matt. You had to look them up. Um, anyway, Your you Honor. Know, the name, the names are, you know, there's so many names I have to remember. Um, you know, just, just too many things that are important that I have to remember that sometimes the the names of the home on the range characters don't immediately come to mind. Um, well, Your uh, Honor, I rest my case until my closing arguments. Does the defense attorney have anything else that they would like to add? I do have one more thing. I want to touch more on the music because, yes, we spent a lot of time on the yodeling song. And while I think that is the crown jewel, I think the opening song is very catchy and sets up the world well. Did you know that the song Will the Sun Ever Shine Again was written after 9-11 by Alan Menken? pull at your heartstrings a little bit um and the the soundtrack overall is a very fun little western soundtrack um i i think that that it gets unfairly lumped into this this movie that uh, uh really it enhances what's going on so matt, i i think matt, that matt are, are you yes. gonna play the soundtrack for your daughter I mean, I might play that yodeling song, to be honest with you. Like, are you going yeah, to go buy the soundtrack from the bargain bin for 49 cents and play it for your daughter? Shade. Um, I, <laughs> see, this is an unfair exercise because I'm having to play this character. Clearly, the answer is no, but I'm going to go, yes, absolutely, Casey, I am. I'm gonna, we are going to listen to this on repeat. The next time you see my daughter, she's going to be yodeling. Yodeling. <laughs> Uh. Um, so, so I, I, I think I think what happens with this movie is you hear the opening line, yeah, they're real, and your mind goes, I'm done. No, nothing else happens. At you, you're, you're, the, the opening line is just so cringy, which, again, I have admitted, that it eliminates anything good that can come in the movie later. I think that if that line was not there and it would have introduced it more easing in, 
that people would like this movie more. But I think that opening bit, and especially now, anytime you hear Roseanne Barr's name or Roseanne Barr's voice, it just is gonna like be like, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna pay attention to this. So I, I think that this movie gets an unfair rep because of that. And I think this actually has a lot of great moments that I think people would actually enjoy. Um, so maybe watch the first bit for the song, mute it, like for a, a like a, a certain section right there, and then move on, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> All right, Your That's Honor, we have we have finished our our arguments. Um, we have closing arguments to go. Do you have any questions before we we make our closing argument? No, Anything I else don't you want us to elaborate on. No, I think I think you've both made very good points, um, and you've very much dug hard into your arguments and stood up um, to some of the best of our abilities. Looking at you, Matt, um, for for things we might not have found fair. Um, I'm excited to hear your closing arguments um, and to present a verdict. All right. I prepared this closing argument <laughs> in the parking lot of a dentist office today. Are you going to yodel it? <laughs> Dang it, what a missed opportunity. No, I'm not going to yodel it. See, now you it. lose okay. immediately. Uh, prosecution, I, 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 I give it to you. So my argument to you today is this. Home on the Range as with any Disney movie can be measured by the fact that the Walt Disney company is a profit making organization and as a profit making organization, the success or failure of any of its products, be it a movie, a ride, a store, a product is measured by whether or not it makes money. This movie did not make money. It lost $70 million for the Walt Disney Company. It will never be merchandised. The music will never be honored as a classic. Even though Alan Menken, being the great genius that he is, may have touched the music and created the music for this movie, it's forgettable. It's, It's not something that you will sing to your child. It's not something that you'll hear your child play on repeat, thank God. It has lackluster characters. It has lackluster actors. The comedic timing is off. And at the end of the day, it will go down in the dustbin of history. That's why it's barely ever talked about. In fact, if you were to ask 100 Disney fans on the street to name the Disney movies that were made in 2004 without looking them up, the Disney movies made in 2000 to 2005 without looking them up. They could probably get the Pirates of the Caribbean. They could get the Lilo and Stitches. They could get the ones that um, have made money that are famous. Home on the Range will largely be forgotten. And so because of that, I believe that Home on the Range probably falls in the bottom, I'd say, three to five of all Disney movies ever created. All right. uh, Cue my music here. I'm going to put some music under this. Uh, Imagine that my country tis of thee is going on a beat. God help me. (laughs) No, no, no. You need to use the instrumental from the yodeling song underneath this. What are you talking about? Your honor, the fact that he isn't even willing to use use music from the movie tells you something you need to know. So much. I very much hope that at some point 
And I hope it's when we're in the parks together, Casey, that like there's a new nighttime show and we've gone and sorry, this is not part of my closing argument, but I just had to put this in here that we go and we're watching this nighttime spectacular new thing and the yodeling song comes up. I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I I can scream and be the only person in the park that is screaming. Yes. (laughs) I can virtually guarantee you with 100% certainty that that will never happen in a Disney park. I, I'm I'm holding out hope, or I'm holding out hope that like Alan Menken does one of his concerts and that song comes out as well. So you All know, right. get, one, your, closing argument in there. get anyway. your closing argument in there. Your Honor, this movie really represents us as Americans. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish you all could see Chris's face right now. I really do. Before you go. <laughs> Matt, I, I will hear your argument, but I want you to know, and I was going to save this for when I give my verdict, there is one part of this movie that is burned into the forefront of my brain, and it's when the bull comes in at the very last second to talk about the weird extravaganza he wants to have with the two um, overly aroused bulls and the cows. So do you describe this film as America? That's all I can think of, and now I'm concerned. Oh, I, right. love it. I was not referring to that part, <laughs> but uh, let me continue here. This really, really represents us as America. No, I think he was the actually referring the to the fact of, of of really rich businessmen taking taking stuff away from the, the working poor. Sorry. So much shame. Casey, you're making my <laughs> argument for me. The Wild West is an expansive... That's America. Uh, uh, an expansive <laughs> land of opportunity. And yes, we have businessmen and politicians that yodel to us and tell us the things we want to hear and masses are hypnotized while and, and we just flock to it and then, uh-oh, they're actually in league with all the other people and so it is up to us the people that are the three cows we are the spirit of of the three cows your honor he Maggie, just Mrs. Calloway, and grace we are excuse me uh, i object that the prosecution grace. keeps interrupting me i i i say very quiet for his uh, closing arguments and he keeps interrupting them i apologize your honor <laughs> Uh, so so we are the spirit of these three cows and we must uh stand up to the 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 the, again i'm definitely playing my country tis of the Um, we are standing up to the to the the corrupt businessmen and politicians of our time this movie actually defines us as americans and we must uh, we, we, we must look at it through that lens. Matt, I would have immediately allowed you to win this whole case had you said this movie. <laughs> now it's not, now uh, Matt, you're going to have to try and make a lost, choice. Lost opportunity you know, I'm there, a, Matthew. I'm a professional, so I don't make crude jokes like that. Unlike this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is a crude joke. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Right, so I have to say here, Chris. You know, you you texted me. I, I I requested that Chris live text me through this movie. So I have a string of texts of Chris watching this movie, and it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite things. Chris, Casey only sent me one, and it was kill me. 
<laughs> um, so I, in, in so um, afterwards, you had said, you know, I don't think this is as bad as you were saying. So you were very much mm-hmm. in this neutral stance, which I was actually very happy for because yeah. then you were going to be able to be more partial there. And then, Casey, I was a little bit worried. You know, you, you mentioned on Saturday we were recording. We're recording three days later now on a Tuesday. Um, you're like, okay, so I'm going to be the prosecution and tell why this movie's bad, and you're going to be the defense and the movie's good. And I was like, okay, that's the plan, unless on the off chance. And I was like, I, I cannot see this happening. But on the off chance that you think this is a good movie, you can do the defense. <laughs> <laughs> I I tried so hard to want to like the movie, but yeah. Anyway, before we get Casey, into that, Chris, okay, sorry, why don't no, you, yes. Chris, why don't you render your verdict, and then we can have our closing thoughts here. So you've both made some very extreme and interesting cases. And Matt's right. I don't think the movie is um, a giant dumpster fire. It has its moments where it is both a dumpster fire and both has charm. Um, I'm actually going to... if the I can't necessarily agree with either of you. That's the thing. Because, Casey, you're putting this down as one of the worst ones of all time. But here's the thing. For it to be one of the worst Disney movies of all time someone's going to have to remember it. And you're right. No one's going to remember Home on the Range. So it's somewhere above that baseline of absolute horror that people are going to be like, oh, that one. And it's because it does have enough moments of charm, I think, to save it from getting that, like, heinous. Um, but it is, it's not a good Disney movie. It's disorganized. The the characters aren't grounded, don't make sense. I mean, a lo- all of your points are very much there. So I guess, I, you know what, in the grand scheme, I do have to give it to Casey. Uh, Woo! Woo! Thank Matt, you. Your Thank arguments you. were also, a couple of them were correct. Um, I actually do like the yodeling song. I, yes! I remember bopping my head and going, I wasn't expecting to enjoy this moment yes! of the movie. Um, however, we are since- throwing up a poll on our on our socials. We're gonna I'm gonna post the YouTube link to the yodeling song and ask, do you think this is a bop? Um, <clears throat> however, I do have to sentence you to something. I'm sentencing you uh, to a month of bending and snapping anytime you drop. Something yes, forward. yes, the bend and snap, baby. There it is, the bend and snap. <laughs> Please tell me you so, know what that is. Please tell me you know. Oh, what yes, is. I, okay. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, oh. so, Chris, I, I, I'm actually interested to hear. You know, you've been kind of hearing our thoughts. What were your thoughts on this movie? Um, I mean, you know my thoughts because I live texted you. I was confused. For me, I was really confused about what was going on because I, I think the first thing out of my mouth or thumbs to you was, "Is this a musical?" And it didn't. <laughs> like, yeah, the music is fine. It's it's charming. It's got Alan Menken's charm, but it's so sporadic and random. And most of it's really short that it almost feels like it's not there. Like Casey, when you said there's six songs, I was like, no, there are not. There are yeah. no way there are six, but it, there are. Um, I was just mm-hmm. going to say, it's really interesting because it does have all of the, now that we're not playing characters anymore, it does have all mm-hmm. the elements of a movie that should have been successful. Like I, I it, it's got the traditional animation. It does have music. It had, it, it did have an all-star cast. Like despite the fact that I knocked oh, the yeah. all-star cast, it did have an all-star cast. Like it is really hard to understand until you actually get into the movie to figure out what happened. 
<laughs> Once you watch the movie, you understand why yes. it flopped. Like, it's yes. like, oh, this is why. <laughs> on paper, it looked good. Here's kind of my thought on it. Um, you were right when you brought up uh, Frontierland. And it's clear to me, clear as crystal, the minute you said that, I'm like, that's why they did this movie is because they could incorporate it into Frontierland. Um, and they, you know, they got all the biggest names that the grownups would know. So the grownups would want to go see the movie. That was their pull. I told Matt this. I think Judy, I love Judy Dench. That was a terrible choice for that movie. Why Absolutely. on earth is there a cow in the middle of the American, a British cow in the middle of the American Wild West? It made no sense whatsoever. How do you, Mary Poppins want to be? Mary Poppins want to be. Did you watch the Judy Dench interview I sent you? Cut yes. full of sugar. So <laughs> she does an interview on Graham Norton where there, he brings up Home on the Range and she doesn't remember the movie's name, barely remembers ah! who she played, doesn't uh... know what it's about, nothing. All she, the only thing she remembers is that it came out when Brokeback Mountain came out and there were people who were really upset about Brokeback Mountain. And so they uh, like some protesters assaulted a car she was in. She was in Hollywood at the time. Um, and he had a big sign that said homo on the range. And she was like, it's about cows. What's wrong with you? Because that's what she thinks the movie is about. It's about cows. Um, which my other thought of in the movie is it it has too many stories. Mm-hmm. There's Maggie's story. There's Mrs. Calloway's story. There's rico not rico what's buck's story there's two there's the random rabbit that lost its leg that for some yeah, what's with the rabbit story. the rabbit like totally makes no sense at all he makes an appearance at the front of the movie then halfway through you see him again like it makes yeah completely agree there are if they had like elaborate on something a bit more if they tried to do too many stories one on top of the other which which made it hard to follow and it made it far too fast. You're right. It would be a great short. Um, the the turnaround that the the way this evil person is stealing cows is by yodeling at them and they all go loopy. It was cute. That's and the, the little thing with the three henchmen, that was cute. Like, it was almost all there. And then they ended the joke with a, the movie with a weird joke about a really gross buffalo. Um which, I had blocked that part out. I had forgotten that. It, and then I was like, jaw, oh, like, this happened. To, oh, like, no. like in Coco where the skull's jaw falls off. That was me when the bull came in. I was like, mm, room for one more or whatever weird thing he says to end the movie. I was just like, oh, that's happening. But even but here's the thing. Like you like Toy Story 2 has one of those like a casting call like joke like it's one of the bloopers and it's yeah know, they so actually one pulled the, that out bloopers. no they actually yeah. pulled that out um but, on the on the uh, blu-ray release you're right they, it does, you're right yeah but i think we forget that in 2004 we were not where we were today no. that no. joke was funny in 2004 that joke is not funny or it, it shouldn't have been funny and let me correct myself it shouldn't have been funny in 2004 but it was mm-hmm that joke now is yeah. not considered funny at all. So we've come a long way in 17 years. I mean, that's good for us that we don't think that that is the definition of something that we should put in a kid's film anymore. Yeah. Um, or any film but, for uh, that matter. Let's just be yeah, honest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Any film. Um, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I want to see a whole movie about just that buffalo. <laughs> I want, uh, I want, I want a that guy's shirt about story. the buffalo. So, Chris, I actually, I loved your point that in 
in order to be the worst movie ever, it needs to be somewhat memorable. And I think that's why it sticks with me because I think I have watched again, you know, you, you, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I've watched all of the Walt Disney animated films. So I've not, you know, dove into all the live action, but I, I truly think that this is the worst animated film that Disney has ever put out that. Um, and so that's why I think it's so memorable to me because it it's it's just so bad. I would I think Chicken Little is miles ahead of this movie. Interesting. I was gonna. Bring, I haven't seen Chicken Little, but I've heard horror stories about it. I I think I, Chicken Little is it, it's it's the very it's the very same thing with this movie where there's parts of it that are really charming. Zach Braff voices a little chicken. It's delightful. I love Zach Braff voicing a little chicken. It 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 it, it takes the story of Chicken Little and, and gives it a little nuance. It makes fun of other Disney movies. It's, it's, it, 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 it's cute, but it is miles ahead of where this movie is. So, uh, sorry, let me, get, let me get to what my question is. If you think this is more middle of the pack, what Disney movie do you think is the dumpster fire? I was going to ask that, that exact same question. at the bottom question. of the pile. Um, so my absolute, one of my, I hate it with a white hot intensity and, you guys are going to get some... People aren't going to listen to Discontinue on display when I say this. Um, I hate cars. Whoa. Now, in fairness, Why? that is Pixar. In fairness, that is Pixar. Um, well, in terms of Disney overall, cars okay. is, to me, I don't think it... I Lightning McQueen, to me, was super unlikable. Lost and... my <laughs> <laughs> and... That is by far the, not the most controversial thing we've ever said on this show. I just, like, and I, and I think about it, Chris, it. while I don't necessarily agree it's the worst movie in the world, I'm with you. I don't enjoy the Cars franchise myself, so I'm there with you. It's kind of been – it's kind of a eh franchise for me. My nephew's going to hate me for saying that, but yeah. But I, there's the other thing. It's the fact that you said you're, you specified your nephew. That – to me, as I've always felt this, the Cars franchise was made in order to market um, Disney product for young boys. That was oh, the, absolutely that was the goal, to offset well, you all went the through the, material. You went through the um, same Disney store training we all went through. They tell you that yeah. in Disney store training. Yeah. It, it was marketed. It, it was It's the boys, quote unquote, franchise. And really, that's all they had. They had cars. They had planes until they finally bought marvel and star wars you know and that's kind of where that they yeah. were able to bring that in and i mean yeah, i'm trying other... to think of like traditional animated that i would say like i don't particularly enjoy hunchback i don't think it's a bad bad thing i think it's really dark and it's really random and it doesn't make a like to me that one's a random one but i know it's classic especially because i'm a kid of the 90s so for me like that I know... would be a good one to put on trial next that would be a good one for a please trial. Please don't make me. Please don't make like, me. I don't make that movie. You can be the judge. Uh, oh, there you go. I could be the judge. That would work. I'll come back. I will, and I'll try and defend it because Hunchback is one of my friend's favorite movies. But like, or um, I rewatched Pocahontas, and I was like, oh, interesting. I feel like this one is also kind of odd. Yeah, um, you want to talk about a movie where there's some uncomfortable moments? You're like, ooh, that's oh yeah, there were a couple times when oh, that's happening. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I and I there's a lot of like pre-1990s Disney animated that I have never seen. Um, and as like far what? as I know is pro- like what? Like what? Yeah. What are, what are um, some like that, that like what are some that you haven't seen? I'm curious. Oh gosh. Um, I know I've, n- I've never seen Bambi. I've seen parts of, but I've never seen it. I've never seen the Fox and the Hound. Oh, um, oh, I've never seen- oh, I've- 
I've never seen the Three Caballeros. Well, three Caballeros is fun. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Oh, it's not animated. But I've never seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It's half animated. Um, yeah, I'm trying. I'm sure there's others that just aren't clicking. I'm looking at my pins are above me, and I'm trying to see if there's something on there that would give me a clue. Ooh, he's a isn't. pen collector. I like that. that pen. <laughs> I don't have a lot of them. I just have um, like I'm a big Who Framed Roger Rabbit person, so I have a lot. No, of rabbit pins. you are. Have yeah. you listened to our episode on Who Framed? It's like one of my favorite movies. I haven't. I have to. It is my favorite Disney movie, and it, I think, is my favorite movie of all time. I love movie. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. You have to listen to our episode on it. I, I, we didn't convince me. Matt had, Matt had never seen it before. Matt had I've never, never seen, seen it before, before and, and, I, and I, we made him watch it, and then we did I don't know if it was a convince me or just a movie review. but No, we, um, just, we just did it. Like yeah. yeah, we just did the review. Well, hey, we're it's almost at the hour mark. mark. We should probably – close the close yeah, we the wrap up. <laughs> we're at the hour mark here i can't believe that so it sounds like coming out of this we all agree that home on the range is not a good movie uh, actually here's what i'm going to say matt and i have cast it to the dumpster fire of movie history it sounds like chris has actually given a fate worse than a dumpster fire just unforgettable no one will ever remember it so i think we all agree it's it's pretty yeah. rough and uh um, listeners yeah listeners let me let me let me here 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 listeners come come closer come closer come in oh he's gonna please don't watch this movie just listen to this podcast and listen to the yodel song that's it just listen to that yodel song and listen to this podcast you you know everything about the movie now you don't need to watch it don't succumb yourself to it don't do it don't do it listeners don't do it just listen to the yodel song and listen to this podcast okay thanks listeners we can go let's let's pan back out let's get back in the podcast okay and we're back all right ladies and gentlemen it is now closing time i would like to say thank you to our judge the jury the executioner mr chris corrigan here for being on our show for those of you again who don't know who chris is he and matt host the discontinued on display podcast which is a sister podcast of beers and ears on the sorcerer network comes out every thursday currently they're going through discontinued foods uh let me see here as of the recording of this episode we are through Crystal Pepsi. What comes out after Crystal Pepsi? Do you remember? Yeah. What, what's our next episode? <laughs> um, ooh, it's one of two things. I think it's the Wonder Ball. Yes, uh, yes it is the Wonder Ball. Is it? Because I know there's one other one um, that it could be, and I can't for the life of me. It is not. No, that it's, it's definitely the Wonder Ball. It's I know Wonderball. what episode six is. It's definitely the Wonder Ball. Nice. Okay. Okay. So definitely be out them, by the time this. Yeah, definitely give them a uh, a look see on uh, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this. Um, all right, it is closing time. So if you want to get a hold of us, find us at on Facebook Beers and Ears Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears nineteen twenty eight. You can also email us at Beers and Ears nineteen twenty eight at gmail.com. If you aren't already subscribing to the podcast, please do so. That helps get our ratings up. Please tell a Disney friend. And again, as Matt said, do not watch Home on the Range. Just listen to our show. You're good. Uh, <laughs> And, it's it's uh, almost the same length as the movie, and you don't have to watch the movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. And who knows? You mean, we might even pop the yodeling song in here for you when it's all said and done. Matt gets to edit this one, so that'll be you fun. You bet that one's going us out. The yodel song is <laughs> playing us out this time. All right, let's go ahead and raise our glasses, Matt. This I got episode. my Topo Chico. I love it. Uh, I'm taking a, a big swig of Topo Chico. I needed a lot to get through this episode. I got a, I got an invisible cup. Uh, this episode has been on us. We will see you again real soon. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. The sweetest way of rustling the
Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.